0: It's Thursday, September 7th, 2023, and this is the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch. Rapid response on the breaking news stories Texas progressives need to know. I'm Chris Mosier day two of the ken paxton impeachment on wednesday the dallas morning news has a nice summary courtesy of journalist lauren McGoway gromer jeffers jr philip jankowski aaron torres and robert t garrett paxton himself was a no-show yesterday for day two the primary star of the show on wednesday was former paxton aide jeff mateer who was the ag's second in command for over four years before reporting his boss to federal law enforcement over concerns that he and other staffers developed over Paxton's relationship with indicted Austin real estate developer Nate Paul, specifically a Paxton plan to go after the FBI for going after Paul. Mateer testified yesterday that his objection to Paxton's plan to hire outside attorney Brandon Kamick to issue subpoenas on Paul's behalf was ignored by the AG, leading to what Mateer called a crisis moment for the office, And personally for Mateer, who lamented yesterday that he had been unable to protect Paxton from himself. Ken Paxton's extramarital affair came up for the first time as well in the presence of his wife, Senator Angela Paxton. Zach Despard at the Texas Tribune writes that Mateer testified that he believes the affair is relevant to the charges against Paxton because he believes it was one of the ways Paul was able to influence the AG. Mateer says he developed a suspicion that Paxton was being blackmailed, especially after learning that the affair had continued beyond a point where Mateer believed Paxton had, quote, repented. On cross-examination, impressively bronzed Paxton attorney Tony Busby accused Mater of having attempted a coup against his former boss. Jeff Mateer, by the way, presents a contradiction to the notion floated by Paxton's supporters that all of this is a Democrat-inspired witch hunt. Mateer is, in fact, an evangelical Christian and champion of religious liberty, whose hiring by Paxton was praised by conservatives and who was once nominated by former President Donald Trump for a federal judgeship. Hardly a rhino, you ask us. Next up was former Deputy First Assistant Ryan Bangert, who described Paxton's demeanor, enforcing the support of Nate Paul in the AG's office as, quote, "...anxious, desperate, acting like a man with a gun to his head," unquote, including an unusual late-night push for staffers to issue a legal opinion limiting foreclosure sales under COVID-19 restrictions, exactly the foreclosure threat that Nate Paul was facing on several high-dollar properties. Jake Bleiberg and Paul Weber at the Associated Press note that while dozens of Paxton supporters had been on hand to watch the start of the proceedings on Tuesday, some of whom had traveled hundreds of miles to get there, many rows in the Senate gallery were bare yesterday. Progress Texas Executive Director Kathleen Thompson said in a statement from the org yesterday, quote, progressives are closely watching the Ken Paxton impeachment trial. Paxton has earned every article after years of entangling his office in fraud, corruption, and scandal. We stand with all Texans who believe that no one is above the law, not even Texas's top cop, unquote. Finally, in the impeachment department this morning, Texas-based NPR reporters Sergio Martinez Beltran, Ashley Lopez, and Miles Parks joined the NPR Politics podcast yesterday to discuss the national implications of the trial, considering Ken Paxton's outsized influence in national policy, especially regarding immigration. Great listen. The link to that podcast is in our show notes. There's a lot more to cover today, including what may have been our closest call yet through this brutal summer of 2023 with an actual failure of the Texas power grid. Bloomberg reporters Joe Carroll and Nareen Malik write that ERCOT declared its first power emergency since a deadly winter storm two years ago last night and came close to employing rolling blackouts, a level two emergency due to shrinking supplies of available power that required a draw on reserves while pushing consumers to curb usage. Emily Foxhall at the Texas Tribune reports that ERCOT came closer than it's been all summer to a worst-case scenario last night, 77 minutes of white knuckles. Last time ERCOT had to resort to load shedding, as you'll recall, was February of 2021, an historic statewide emergency disaster in which more than 200 Texans lost their lives. Electricity is a basic component of civilized life, and the fact that Texas faces this threat on the regular is a clear sign of the abject failure of decades of Republican statewide leadership to put people over profits. Speaking of which, we've talked about the idea of paying customers to conserve power. Considering that the entire thing is built for profit, it seems a logical solution. But it generally only comes into play in Texas if you're a Bitcoin miner. Writer Mackenzie Sigelos at CNBC says that over the month of August, the Bitcoin mining operation Riot Platforms, raked in $31.7 million in energy credits from ERCOT in exchange for curtailing its energy-thirsty computing process, which has actually turned into a financial lifeline for the company at a time when Bitcoin losses are mounting. Those energy credits total over three times the Bitcoin value the company was able to mine over that same time. Riot Platforms lost about $28 million over the last quarter. In other news, Bitcoin is still a thing, sort of. To the border, where there's big news too, Paul Weber at NBC DFW Channel 5 says a federal judge has ordered Texas to move that large razor wire and draped floating barrier to the bank of the Rio Grande after protests from both the U.S. and Mexican governments and a lawsuit against Texas by the Justice Department. U.S. District Judge David Ezra wants the barrier moved by September 15th, as has become routine. The state has already appealed the ruling as Governor Greg Abbott doubles down on social media, promising to continue the use of what he calls strategic barriers at the border. A couple of notes on the abortion front today. Texas Public Radio Stephanie Corpy and Dan Katz write that Texas abortion advocates are considering the ruling yesterday by the Mexican Supreme Court decriminalizing the procedure in that country a win. Similar decisions have come recently throughout Latin America to push back abortion restrictions. Michaela Montoya-Fraser, founder and executive director of the San Antonio-based Buckle Bunnies Fund, credits the decision to, quote, generations of radical Mexican and Latin American feminists pushing their governments through direct action and defying unjust laws, unquote. Also on abortion, while many of us may have dismissed new local ordinances popping up around Texas outlawing the use of their roadways for the purpose of interstate travel to obtain abortion care as largely unenforceable, writer Mary Ziegler at Slate disagrees. She says new bans on so-called abortion trafficking offer a meaningful roadmap of where opponents of reproductive rights are going next, which is less about enforcement and more about instilling fear and an experiment at the small-town level towards the goal of limiting interstate travel without violating the U.S. Constitution. As is the case with the Texas abortion ban SB-8, these new local travel laws rely on lawsuits from private citizens over violations. Concerning Reed from Slate in the show notes. Speaking of concerning, we head to our northern border at the Red River into Oklahoma, where that state's Department of Education has announced a partnership with the conservative propaganda outlet PragerU as of yesterday, the exact type of partnership that was falsely announced in Texas a couple of weeks back with the participation of Texas State Board of Education member Julie Pickren. If you think this can't happen here, think again. Carolyn Sellers and Xavier Richardson at KFOR-TV in Oklahoma City Quote Catherine Bishop, president of the Oklahoma Education Association, who responds, "Quote PragerU isn't a legitimate accredited education organization. It is a media organization whose creator has admitted PragerU material indoctrinates kids. It is important to understand that districts do not have to use this material, and parents or guardians can opt out of their children receiving PragerU content." Unquote. Little solace. For Oklahoma public school parents, and even more reason to believe that the premature announcement of a PragerU partnership here in Texas may have actually been a sneak preview of plans that are in motion behind the scenes. Also in education, and something that definitely is happening in Texas, the Washington Post reports that the aforementioned Texas State Board of Education is embroiled in a debate over what Texas school kids should be taught about climate change, even as heat records are shattered and the Texas power grid stumbles. State curriculum standards require only that textbooks note that human activities can influence climate. Will Hickman, a Republican board member who works as a senior legal counsel for the oil giant Shell, thinks Texas textbooks should highlight the benefits of burning fossil fuels, given that modern life is still powered by hydrocarbons such as oil and gas. Another board member, Patricia Hardy, wants Texas school kids to learn that fossil fuels and naturally occurring climatic changes can both lead to increasing temperatures in an effort to downplay conclusive research showing fossil fuel use is rapidly warming the planet. Americans largely recognize that human activity is causing climate change. 74% of Americans agree with that assessment, but members of our state's Board of Education seem determined to mislead the next generation of Texans into doing nothing about it. Filing an event to watch starting on Monday, Maggie Thompson at the Austin Chronicle writes that a bench trial over SB1, the state law that led to the throwing out of tens of thousands of ballots in the 2022 election in Texas over minor voter errors concerning ID numbers, is set to begin on Monday, September 11th. The federal court last month sided with a group of advocates led by the National ACLU and ACLU of Texas who sued the state over SB1, arguing that the law violates the Voting Rights Act, the Americans with Disabilities Act, the Civil Rights Act, and the U.S. Constitution. Go get them, y'all. And that's the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch. Today's Texas political news for today's Texas Progressive. Links to all these original stories can be found in our show notes. Progress Texas specializes in serving up stories on the issues you care about, breaking abortion and reproductive rights, decisions. Renewables keeping our ACs running and the lights on. Democracy defenders fighting back against the assault on elections and voters in Texas. Conversations on Juneteenth, thanks to black historians and activists and lots more. We're shaping the narrative in traditional media, blogs, social posts, and podcasts, but we need your help to continue our important work. We're proud to say we're over halfway to our goal of 50 new sustaining members, and we'd like to invite you to join the fun as part of our ongoing member drive. Learn more about Progress Texas, including how you can help help at progresstexas.org. I'm Chris Mosier. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.